Every week at Sojourn, we go to the scriptures because it is there that the person and work of Christ are most clearly revealed. Uh, Dodds Pengra, one of our pastors, is going to preach this morning on Psalm 1. And so if you would please join me in a word of prayer before I read the scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us with your word. Holy Spirit, fill us, enable us to hear and to comprehend what is true about you, what is true about us, in a way that that writes our relationship with you. I pray that as we engage with someone this morning, that you would cause us to be like these trees planted by streams of water. Would you illuminate in our hearts the truth of what Jesus has done and who we are because of that a little bit more clearly through our engagement with you through your word. We love you, we trust you, and we need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. My name, is, uh, my name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you again to Sojourn. It's very good to be with you on the Lord's Day. Um, for, the, for the last three weeks, we have taken time to explain our five key values that we share as Sojourn Houston. In the weeks to come, we will begin a series in the book of Esther, and we're terribly excited about that. I hope you are too in hearing that. But we're, we're moving from... We're moving from a series delivered in a, in a difficult time in our church life concerning what we value as we live as God's people into a series about how God's people live during the difficult time of their exile. And one connection that strikes me is who God's people are called to be in times of transition and exile, in times of difficulty. Maybe some of you have wondered who is God calling me to be in this season of life? Maybe you haven't, but maybe it would be a good question uh, to ask. For those of you who, uh, who don't know, my mother's side of the family is originally from the Northeast, and even, uh, even though my branch of the family moved to Houston in the mid-40s, our immediate and extended family has spent summers in a little town called Bolton Landing, um, in the Adirondacks, in the, in the upper part of New York State. And it's where my family goes during the summer to spend time together and to enjoy one another. But we only get to go there during the best season of the year because from, from May to October, for those five months, it is a beautiful, colorful, vibrant, life-filled, refreshing, refreshing place to be. It's, it's 82 degrees during the day the high 50s at night. The town itself is built around this beautiful freshwater lake called Lake George. 
there are festivals and tournaments and our family eats together and plays together and the people just team there during the summer uh, to shop and eat and live and carry on into the night. And yet in all of our visits, we've only seen the fruitfulness and the majesty of life in the Adirondacks. We, we have not been there the other seven months of the year. And whenever I've been exposed to photos of Bolton in the winter, the, the word life doesn't, doesn't come to mind. It's frigid. There's no warmth and there's very little sign of life. Everyone lays low. There are much fewer get-togethers. People get snowed in. The town shuts down. The lake freezes over. It's so frozen over that you can drive a car across it. The reds and greens and blues of summer give way to the black and the white and gray of winter. One or two restaurants stays open along the way with, with a grocery store and maybe a post office, but none of the shops do. And there are no more festivals. But one thing that is consistent in the summer and in the winter is the trees. The Adirondack evergreen trees. They're there in, in any kind of weather, and they've seen all kinds of weather, not just the good or the bad. They hold firm, and they grow even during the winter, and they are, they are beautiful, even if the season isn't. In the same way as a church, we have experienced life here that's full of color, I know a lot of us remember seasons where life has been everywhere. There has been warmth and color in our parish lives. There's been a sense of excitement and beauty in the lives of our relationships. We've had seasons as a church that are, that are more like Bolton in the summer. And yet we find ourselves this morning essentially coming out of a winter. We've seen a lot in these past few years. COVID and a number of other things have dulled parish life for some of us. Maybe we've lost a little bit of who we're supposed to be and feel that we, we feel a bit lost concerning what we need to do or disoriented over where we need to go from here. We've gotten back to a lot of daily grind components in our lives and fulfilling what's going on in our calendar, but that doesn't necessarily serve to, to orient us during a disorienting season. And I believe that our text this morning is what, really what we need to hear from the Spirit as we're going through this season and, and coming out of it. So let's read again verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the psalmist says that the blessed one, the blessed man, the people of God are blessed because their pleasure and desire is not in their own knowledge or will or ability, but rather it is in the law of the Lord. Now, I do want to address some, some presuppositions that we might have here because the text is not limiting us to, see, to seeing this verse as only loving our Bibles. So let's talk a bit more about what the psalmist means when they write the law of the Lord. Because to fully understand the weight of this, we have to understand where Israel 
where Israel came from. They came from slavery and bondage and oppression for years in Egypt. And Yahweh redeemed them from this slavery. Like like a brand new baby, he brought them out of the womb of Egypt and he carried them through the waters of the Red Sea, through danger and through the wilderness. And in the midst of all of this disorientation and loss and fear, he fed them with manna and quail and asked them to trust him daily for their provision. And it's in this context of wilderness and winter that God reminds them to listen. Imagine Israel in the wilderness at the foot of Mount Sinai, next to their tents, young and old, men and women, children running around, collecting and eating the quail and manna, far from what's comfortable, feeling the strain of daily following, not knowing exactly where they're going, taking it a day at a time. I don't know about you, but I think that sounds somewhat like us. But what we see is the law coming down through Moses and the people of God are instructed to listen. And and so what do you have to do to listen? You only need to be focused and attentive to what God has to say. And God says to them in Deuteronomy 6, listen, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is known as the Shema. And the Shema is not a moral list of do's and don'ts. It's it's really the word listen. That's what the heart of the law of the Lord is. It's God saying, listen to me. Hear my words and hear what I've done for you. And then he tells Israel to live by his words. It's by and through the Shema that Israel is to uphold its integrity as a people, to share and disciple the nations, to eat and enjoy together, to protect strangers and the familyless, and to be sustained and nourished all by the law of the Lord. And something really important for us to see here is that God's instruction comes down in the wilderness. They are fortified in the desert. They didn't know what the future held, and in much the same way, neither do we. And conversely, the psalmist says that the wicked person is quite different. He implies here that the wicked are those who do not listen to God. Rather, they look and listen to their own counsel. And here, walking, standing, and sitting don't refer to just physical postures. For an Israelite, it's where they, it's where they live. It's where a person spends their days, where their heart and their mind find a home. The wicked find a home in scoffing and sinning and ungodly counsel. And I'm sure that with just these two verses, it's probably hard for us to understand how these examples of wickedness relate to us. But I think it's easier to see this if we we just ask a few questions. How many of us have stood in, in unbelief or distrust of God? How many of us have sat in the community of gossip? How many of us have listened to our own counsel and done what was right in our own eyes? 
How many of us have sat in the seat of grumbling or jealousy or greed? I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's, it's very easy to admit that our soul is busy in what the psalmist deems as wickedness. God promises that he will provide for me and lead me and take care of me. So who am I being when my mind and my heart refuse to listen or take pleasure in those promises? I think it's an important question to ask. The psalmist says here, there are two kinds of people. There are those who delight in their own counsel and there are those who delight in the counsel of God. And he's going to give us illustrations here to make it clearer. So let's keep reading. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You know, trees are... Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Trees are a big part of Israel's history. So the psalmist here speaking of of us as trees is really nothing new. The whole history of Scripture has called the people of God his planting. And Israel, as God's son, is, is regularly compared to a tree. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, we see a planting of trees with the planting of humanity. God calls Abraham and and has him reside and make his living among oak trees, which is a dwelling that the people of Israel continue into the promised land. In the annual Feast of Tabernacles, Israel was instructed by God to find beautiful tree leaves and palm branches to make houses. Even the tabernacle itself was built with acacia wood boards which symbolized God's glorified human host. Even the picture of the blessed life for the Israelite was one sitting underneath the shade of his own fig tree. But God, as the divine forester, not only plants trees, he he also works with wood fitting each piece into his house. So it shouldn't surprise us to know that Jesus was a carpenter. He's a woodworker like his father. And so the psalmist says, the trusting and believing people of God are like fruit-bearing trees that root near streams of water, but the wicked are like chaff. What is chaff? It's a good question. At harvest, a farmer gathers grain from his fields. He takes a rake and he separates the chaff from the wheat by throwing them both in the air. The wheat falls back to the ground and the chaff is blown away by the wind. In both images, we get really rich implications about the life and destiny of blessed people and wicked people. I think it's good just a moment to think about a tree just for us to think about a tree planted by water for just a moment. If we, can, if we can meditate on this for just a moment. Think about a tree. Even though its, it's growth is slow, it, it's always growing. It's always maturing. And it's, 
it's always growing in varying weather conditions. It, its roots grow deep, its top grow, grows high, and it can stand up against strong winds and cold winters and heavy rains. And it produces fruit, it produces life outside of itself. And it gives shade to those underneath it. Chaff is just the complete opposite. It's, it's weightless, it's rootless. It doesn't produce any life outside of itself. It doesn't mature or grow and it's blown away in a breath. And the Bible is clear. The wicked will not stand with the righteous. Their way will perish. They will be blown away like chaff. And that is bad news for us. But the good news is that the psalmist doesn't end there. Let's keep reading. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. The righteous here is true Israel, the Son of God. But listen to how the prophet Isaiah describes the way of the righteous. Listen to Isaiah describe this righteous one. Isaiah 53. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Brothers and sisters, that is the way of the righteous. That was the way that Jesus walked and, and sat and stood. Jesus was the good tree who produced the good fruit of good works in his own garden, surrounded by olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was the one who healed others. He protected the weak. He fed the hungry. And yet in his suffering, Jesus appears to become something else besides this good tree. He's arrested and tried and tortured. And at that point, he no longer heals bodies. He just suffers in his own and at the end, he's nailed to a tree. And so it seems the curse that he pronounced on the fig tree has actually just rebounded on him. Jesus, the fruitful tree, becomes Jesus, the withered tree, the chaff blown away by the wind. Which is precisely what's happened. See, Jesus took Israel's curse on himself, and so he looked for all the world like a wicked tree prepared for the fire. But he was cursed and cut down so that we might be blessed and raised as righteous trees. And in him we are righteous. In Jesus we are the ones that the Lord knows. 
See, Psalm 1 is not just an ideal for what we should strive. It's the description of our Savior. And as our delight is in the Word, it is both in the written Word of the Scriptures and in the incarnate Word who is Christ our Lord. So it's actually in and through Jesus that we can finally delight in the law of the Lord. Jesus is the blessed man. He was his entire life. He is the Shema. He listened to the Father all the days of his life. He submitted to and loved the word of his Father. He himself is the tree of life planted by the Father, by streams of water, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And we can now, in Jesus, listen to the Shema. Jesus is that very law that has come down to us. He is the fulfillment of Mount Sinai. It's the law that's been written on our hearts by his spirit, and now he allows us to mediate heaven and earth, authority and truth, as trees in his garden. And he invites us to sit in the shade as our great fig tree. He invites us to eat and drink from him. He gives rest to the weary, and he equips us as trees to give rest to the world. See, only in Jesus can we delight in the law. Only in Jesus can we be trees planted by streams of water. But maybe some of us don't feel like trees right now. Maybe we don't feel like oaks, but, but that really is okay because the nature of God's kingdom is one that is growing. God's kingdom is most often described as a seed. And that's really important because when Jesus died and his body was placed in the earth, that means that his body was a seed lying dormant in the ground. And in his resurrection, that seed burst from the earth to bear all of this fruit. To bear fruit in all of you. You who are a planting of the Lord. but it's something into which we are still growing. And that's, that's completely fine. I know that we wanna grow and mature, and we will. Jesus said, abide in me, fruit and growth will come in its season. So we should abide and trust him. In closing, I just wanna bring us back to verses one and two, because the psalmist gives us two verbs in describing the blessed and merry life. Delight and meditate. These two words are the ways in which Jesus grows us as his trees. And, and really, they go hand in hand. And this isn't Eastern meditation. That's, Eastern meditation is emptying ourselves completely. This is biblical meditation. It's recalling, remembering, and filling ourselves with who God is and all that he's done. This is, this is an embodied experience in the community of God. 
We cannot delight in what God has done unless we experience that with others. And we can't grow in that delight unless we share it with others. So it makes me wonder, in the life of our church and our parishes, whatever the season is, where are we talking to one another and sharing together what God is doing in our lives? Not just how we're doing or what's happening, but what is God doing in our hearts and our minds and our lives? Where are we asking those questions of one another? What is the Lord doing in your life? What is he, where is he ministering to you? What is he showing you? What is he teaching you? How are we reflecting on our doubts and insecurities about whether or not God is with us in this season? Are we talking to one another about that? How are we acknowledging, reflecting, and sharing, and focusing on his promises and what he says? How are we administering that delight and that truth to one another? Where are we reading the word, finding something wonderful, and sharing that with someone else? I think that's so important because enjoying the word and truths of God should not look like just getting and giving information. It should look more like enjoying food or a wonderful piece of music or a wonderful piece of artwork. When, when we're, if you just think about it for a minute, when we're in those spaces, we're listening to something really beautiful, we're, we're eating something really wonderful, we're looking at something breathtaking. When we're enjoying in those moments, we begin to go back and forth with one another about it over this food, over this music, over this incredible sight. We look at a beautiful sunset or an oil painting and we talk to the person next to us about the beauties we see and, and what it means to us. And they share back and we listen to one another. You know in that moment what we're doing? We're meditating. We're focusing. Our attentions are captivated. Our mind, heart, body are all there in that moment. You know this. You know this. You've been there. And what we experience in those spaces is a shared delight. And we let it capture every part of us. And it gets pressed into us in deep ways. Where is that happening? Where could it happen? Where does it need to happen? To keep planted, we are invited to do this day and night. To come back to the law of the Lord and listen and enjoy and share. And we need that to be the place where we are reoriented in all seasons of life. Whether it's Bolton in the summer or Bolton in the winter, that's what we need to be trees planted, firm and strong with deep roots that don't not feel the wind, but don't get pushed over by the wind. 
I do think it's going to come through us being purposeful in a season where we have felt more isolated. And even if you're still being cautious during COVID, for those of us who are joining online, call, send a text, get on Zoom with someone, share what the Lord is doing. If he's highlighting a particular promise or wonder, share it. If he feels absent or far away, share it. When we do that, we're living as Christ's body, fulfilling what Jesus meant for us to be. And I know that in this, in this season, some of you are finding that you are blessed and merry. So take joy in that. Be generous and share in that delight. Bring other people into it. See, meditating on the Shema isn't just meditating on a Bible verse. Meditating on the Shema is about telling your parish, your neighbor, or someone you haven't talked to in months how God has sustained you in these days. And the promise here, Sojourn, is the Lord is making us the kind of trees that no matter the season, we will hold firm and grow because we have learned to delight in him and meditate on what he has done. Because more winters are coming. More winds will kick up again. And we'll be tempted to take shelter in our own counseling, in our own knowledge, but this is who God intends to make us. Can, I, can, we, can, we, can we take a look at where we're going? Let me read this as we end. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So, Jeanette, that's the kind of trees that we're going to become. Far greater, far greater than Adirondack trees. Trees that provide healing for the nations, shade for the weary, food and drink for the hungry, and a home for the homeless. Trees that delight and meditate by streams of living water. That's who we are. That's where we're going. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we wonder at your word, at the beauty of the imagery of your word that teaches us so much. Lord, we long to be trees planted by streams of water, delighting in your law, meditating in your law. Lord, being aware of what you have done, being aware of what you are doing, being aware of your promises, being attuned 
Lord, to your, to your good promises. Help us to, to share. Help us to meditate. Help us to delight. Lord, in, in, in seasons, <laughs> in seasons that, that tempt to take our focus away because of how difficult things are or how wonderful things are, because our attention can be pulled even in wonderful times that we don't need to delight in the law of the Lord in those moments, but we, but oh Lord, we so, we so need your help. Lord, root us in your word. Open our mouths to share where we have seen you, where you have ministered to us so that we might bring that good food and that good delight to one another. Help us to talk this way in our parishes, to, 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 to adopt the language of the Psalms, to speak to one another in Psalms. Lord, to confess where we're tempted to be the scoffer. Lord, Father, we need you. We pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, help us to listen to you, to share with one another, to be sustained by your good promises and your good presence. We love you and we need you. Please help us, we pray. We ask all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.